0: Depression and anxiety are terms that sometimes our ego and perhaps even our own culture and families are not comfortable with. Reality is one out of every five women will encounter some kind of postpartum depression or anxiety. What are the symptoms? How could you get help? Today, we talked to OBGYN Dr. Jennifer Schell, who now specializes in postpartum care and support to highlight how getting the right help and building the right support system could help mommies fade their dark days into brighter days. We read the books. We bought the things. We thought we were ready. And then life took our plans and changed them. I'm Karen. I'm Victoria's mommy, and I work in tech. And I'm Pamela.
1: I have a baby boy named Ford, and I'm a journalist. And although we're both first-time
0: working moms, We're we're actually pretty different. And that's totally okay. Because we both agree that our most important work is raising our kids. We really need each other and can only get through this together. Welcome to Motherish Moments. Well, this is an important episode.
1: I know. Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I miss you. So we had um, a little week where we didn't see each
0: other and I... I know. And Pamela's like, Where are you? I, I miss know. you. So easy, right? <laughs> I, miss I you. love that, though. I like that. I'm not a very mushy person, but I like when people are like that with me because then I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So happy to be back
1: <laughs> in the studio for another episode of Motherish Moments. And yes, you're right. This is a very important one. And this is one that we got a lot of during the suggestions and the lives mm-hmm. and the surveys that we had. Yeah. Another one of the common ones. So I think it's important that we address it.
0: Yeah. And we also lightly touched on it in our very First episode through a little bit of my personal experience, but I'm excited to talk with an expert (laughs) because I'm not an expert. So, yeah, but first, what's your motherish moment?
1: So, my motherish moment of the week, it's a highlight. My son is now pushing his little car. I mean, they're not considered, I guess. official first steps but it's a big milestone steps, i right? was excited i was like that proud mom i'm like okay i no, videotaped that's a very him. exciting thing. i shared it i was excited i'm excited but every time he hits one of those big milestones i also get a little sad you know, like he's growing up so fast. What do they say? The years are short, but the days are long. Oh,
0: yes, I feel that. My biggest thought on that is like, oh, I'm so excited for you. But also he's mobile now. So
1: I know. Good luck.
0: I'm going to tap you on the floor. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so my mother's moment is, oh, had a really hard time this week because I had my first official experience disciplining Victoria. We are around the corner from two and She's giving me all the two-year-old sassiness. Her favorite phrase of the week is, Eso es mío. This is mine. And she yells it very intensely. Where do you think they get that from? Because you- I don't know, but I'm going to punch them in the face. No, I mean, it's it's normal, I guess. I was with my mom and Victoria yesterday. My mom was like, wow, Karen, this feels awfully familiar to me. Yeah, so apparently I also went through a thing like that. I know it's very common and normal, but she said that the way she exhibits her attitude was very reminiscent of me. Had a whole thing where she takes swim class, so she was on this little thing, and the little boy came and tried to get on the same little thing that she was on in the pool, and she grabbed his hand. Pulled it away. She goes, Eso es mío. And I was like, No. (laughs) So I tried to talk her through. I like channeled all the things that I've read or whatever about how to deal with this. And I pulled her to the side. I explained, like, is not right you have to share blah blah blah. this part I don't think I would do again but I took her over to the other child to apologize she got very embarrassed and she went into like the deep cry that takes about 45 seconds to actually like make a sound like the buchero yeah. like hardcore and then I was like oh and then I got a pit in my stomach basically the rest of the day I felt horrible and I spoke to her about it later in the day again but like my mom's like welcome this is the first of many many years wait till things like this happen when they're teenagers then you feel like crap for days great mom thanks way to be very uh, optimistic about this but anyway
1: Okay, now we're going to go ahead and ask our guest to share her motherish moment of the week before we formally introduce her. Hi, Dr. Shao. Welcome to Motherish Moments. How was your week as a mommy? A roller coaster.
2: (laughs) My motherish moments, actually, to have a four-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a a six-month-old. I am learning to balance the three of them, and my six-month-old is crawling now, so It's very hard to cook, I've realized, when I have three kids around me. And this week, I am not proud to say that I have yelled at my children. And then I realized my son was yelling at my daughter, and I tried to teach him not to yell. And I am actually very proud of him because yesterday, my two and a half year old kind of... Flapped something away from him, and he came to me, and he said, "Mila, hit me." And I said, "No, don't hit me." And he came to me, which is what I was trying to teach him to not hit back, as well. So I am very proud of myself because he did that. And then this morning we had a great morning because I actually played a very nice song, the one that says, "It's a beautiful morning." (laughs) So I so we played that song while we were having breakfast and it changed the entire outlook of my day. So we're, Excited to have Dr. Jennifer Shao
1: in our episode today. And it was God sent that we came across her Instagram page because we wanted someone who was really, really focused just on this. And in her case, and she could go ahead and share a little bit of her personal story, she decided to focus just on postpartum care and support because of a very personal experience that she had with her first son. Right, doctor? Yes.
2: I had my son as a C-section. And I feel like I was thrown into the wolves because I was an OBGYN, so everybody thought that I knew what I was doing with my newborn. And OBGYNs are not trained in newborn care or in lactation or in anything that has to do with anything postpartum except for real medical conditions like when you develop preeclampsia postpartum or mastitis or breast abscesses or infections or. Hemorrhages. Those like life saving things and serious things, yes, we're amazing at those, but we tend to lack in postpartum care. It doesn't matter how amazing your OBGYN is, because my OBGYN was amazing, is amazing. And I considered myself a very good OBGYN when I was practicing as well, but I lacked in that sense. And then I had my daughter, and looking back, The postpartum experiences were completely different, my daughter and my son. My first, I realized I had postpartum depression or anxiety. I still don't know what it was. I think it was a mix of both. I remember going to my two week appointment and I said to my partner who was my doctor, I think I'm depressed. And her reaction was, no, you're such a happy person, Jenny. No, you're not depressed. I'm like, okay. So I went my merry way. And again, amazing doctor. I would never criticize OBGYNs because I am one and I love them and we love taking care of women, but our training lacks, it's the reality.
1: Are you glad that it didn't turn out worse than it did, like when you didn't get the help that you needed with oh, your very son? grateful.
2: I'm very grateful every day that it didn't go worse. I remember one day when I actually put him in his crib, he was crying and I said, I can't, I just can't. And I went, I tapped on the shoulder of my husband. I said, you go, you deal. I can't do this. And I still feel bad about that. I didn't hurt him. I didn't throw him in the bed. Nothing like that. Thank God. But I could see how things could have gone worse. And it's so scary to me because if I am someone who luckily is educated in this because Mm -hmm. I was an OBGYN, I am an OBGYN, I'll always be an OBGYN. And something like this happened to me. I cannot imagine people that don't have the support or don't have someone at their house with them, helping them just by being there with them. And it could have been worse. Yes. And then with my daughter... I had started doing my research while I was still doing OBGYN. so I was more into the whole postpartum well-being, so I took better care of myself and opened my horizons because nobody told me. When I went to that first pediatrician appointment, and the pediatrician told me that my son had lost so much weight, I started bawling in the office. I asked for formula immediately, I just stuck that bottle of formula in his mouth and felt like the biggest failure. And I didn't know I could pump, believe it or not. I didn't know I could be an exclusive pumper. I didn't know I could maybe pump, supplement, and then work my way back to breastfeeding. I didn't know any of this. And people thought I did because I was a professional and I should have known this, but I wasn't trained again. So for my daughter, I became an exclusive pumper and I was so happy giving her my milk. When I went to the pediatrician and they said, oh, she's gaining weight, I was so proud of myself. I'm like, she's alive because of me. And it felt so cool. And then when the time came to stop breastfeeding, it was actually my husband who looked at me one day and said, you need to stop. And I almost punched him in the face because (laughs) I thought, what is he saying? (laughs) Like, why is he saying this to me? And the poor man just looked at me and said, you just look so miserable. So he was doing it for me. He didn't want to see me this miserable and I hadn't realized it and it was true at that point I was back to work delivering babies being on call and trying to juggle the pumping in between patients it's interesting you know.
1: that you that you mentioned doctor expectations right what people expect for you to feel and they have all these which they it comes from a good place right they they assume You are strong, you're independent, you have everything together in your life. And it's normal for them to think that once the baby comes, you're going to handle everything else the same way, right? And then, and I remember one of my best friends told me this after she gave birth, a few, she confided in me. I think the baby was, Mason, probably about a year at this point. She was like, Pamela, you are wired and you grow up with people telling you this is going to be the happiest year of your life this is the most beautiful thing oh my god there's no love like the love that you feel for your child all these positive messages that set a different standard she told me so when I started feeling like oh my god yes I do love my son like I've never loved anyone before but I'm also feeling all these dark conflicting emotions. Like, I didn't know who to tell because it just didn't seem normal for me to be feeling the way that I was feeling. Yeah, It just broke my heart. A, the fact that I was, we were oblivious to it, right? The fact that she didn't feel that she could talk to anyone. And the fact that she didn't understand the science behind it. Because I'm a huge advocate of trying to break it down in terms of like, there's a scientific explanation as to why you're feeling this way. And a lot of components that add into
0: that. So I'm hearing you and I'm like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to, figure out First of all <laughs> I'm trying to figure out when when will this when will I get over <laughs> I'm sorry It's okay Tell I, us cuz I know curious, other people like,
2: have felt this
0: When am I going to stop feeling bad about that? When am I going to get over this hump? Like I'm th- I'm like trying to mm-hmm. take in your story and I still I'm so sorry
2: Can I ask you something? What do you feel bad about most?
0: I, I feel so i'm trying to look back at my the first year with mm-hmm. joy and i still can't and i yes. want to fix that right but i think taking it back to what we're talking about here what i feel is that in my pre-delivery experience i prepared for the baby mm-hmm. i researched every stroller onesie mm-hmm. like <laughs> blanket whatever all those things and then afterwards this whole thing hit me like a train in the dark. And I was like, what is going on? I felt so confused, exhausted, drained, but also just bad.
2: Inadequate. Yeah. I yeah. felt inadequate. And Karen
1: has shared publicly, you know, through a blog, this is how we kind of came together. The fact that she was like, now that I look back, I realized that I had a lot of dark days, you know, and she wasn't expecting to yeah. feel that the, way. The, and
0: Well, the first time that I felt some sort of, kind of comfort. I think it was very unexpected. So I took my daughter for her first pediatrician appointment. It was the first week and the pediatrician, I obviously had never met her before. I'm with my baby who I was freaking out about her weight because she, we stayed an extra day in the hospital because she had lost weight more than usual. I was trying to breastfeed, the whole thing. And the pediatrician started the appointment and the first 20 minutes were about me. She's like, tell me your pregnancy experience, tell me your delivery experience, tell me how these few days have been. And I was so caught off guard, because I was like, but we need to talk about the baby. She's like, no, 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 we need to talk
2: about you. That's wonderful. Yeah,
0: because she said, if you're not okay, then you can't take care of this baby. She must yeah. have seen it. I, I don't know.
2: She went through it, probably.
0: Yeah, she has three kids. So See? she, <laughs>
2: might, she, <laughs> she might. went through it. Yeah. <laughs> I can guarantee you she yeah, went through it. Yeah. But I
0: just want to, I'm very curious to hear about some of the things that you kind of suggest on how to, number one, indicators of When if you may be feeling this way, what are some of the signs? And then, of course, after that, we can go into how to address
2: it. I'm a strong believer that every mom needs support, extra support from either someone like me who I consider myself a postpartum specialist. And if I could describe my services, it's extra TLC. It's extra tender loving care. And actually I should remove the word extra. It's tender loving care for moms because we don't get it because we deliver and it's mostly about the baby. And I just try to make women's lives easier because it is so hard to have a baby And nobody tells you how hard it is. And when they tell you, they just say it's hard, but they don't give you advice. It should come with something. Because you will have the friend who'll be like, oh my God, don't expect everything. You're going to be exhausted. They'll tell you that, which is good, because then when you go through it, you're like, oh wait, it happened to my friend. But they don't tell you do this, this, and this, because first of all, It might be different for you. And second of all, she may have forgotten because we get a little bit of amnesia. How else do we have our kids? All my
0: friends forgot. (laughs) Yes. No one told me.
2: Yes. (laughs) So I don't forget. I tell everyone because I've been the mom who failed at breastfeeding. I've been the exclusive pumper. And now with my last one, I was the mom who rocked breastfeeding, but my daughter had milk protein allergy. So I couldn't breastfeed. So I've been all moms in one in the feeding department and in the feelings department.
1: I think highlighting the indicators is important, Doctor, because we mentioned, right, you think of like the movie scenes, people are thinking, okay, if I'm not trying to drown or do something hurtful to my child, it's not that dramatic.
2: No, it's coming home, putting your baby, getting the infant car seat, the classic scene, mom and dad or mom and the mother of the mom in the Latin culture many times (laughs) come home with the baby in the carrier in the car seat put the baby inside the house, and then they look at each other and it's, now what? Mm -hmm. What do we do with it? So that is normal, but that means you need help. You need someone to help you and remind you, because somebody may have told you, but you don't remember how often to feed the baby once you get home. It's very different. When you're at the hospital, you do not have breast milk. You have colostrum, and you cannot tell a mom to breastfeed a baby for 15 minutes and 15 minutes every three hours once the baby is immediately born, because... That doesn't apply to a fresh newborn that will lose weight because sucking for 30 minutes is too much exercise for a baby. So you have to feed for less time, but more often when they're first born. Now you get home and then you feel your breasts super engorged. You go through all these body changes and because Pamela loves the scientific, I'm going to focus on that a little bit right now. So your hormones are Crazy. I'm not going to talk scientifically because I don't want to yeah. use those terms, but I'm going to simplify it and tell you your estrogen is readjusting from a high state that you had in pregnancy to a low state so you can actually breastfeed almost menopausal. Okay, that's why your vagina hurts when you have sex, because you don't have estrogen. And sometimes lubrication is not enough. You may actually need a little bit of estrogen cream. So who's going to tell you that? People like me who have a special interest in postpartum care. So you get home, like I was saying, a few days later, because I don't know if you know this, but between a vaginal delivery and a C-section, the milk for a mom with a vaginal delivery comes a day or two earlier than the C-section one. So so you may call your friend and say, when did your milk come in? Oh, mine came in on the third day and you had a C-section. You're like, oh, my God, it's day four. It's not here. What am I doing? You freak out, right? Five days. See, were you a C section? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's why. So, people with gestational diabetes, the milk takes a little longer to come in. All these things so, scientific so you're saying like explanations. So, all these
1: new information that you don't know and you don't have access to mm-hmm. adds on or leads to these anxiety and depression like feelings?
2: Yes, I think lack of information in most women is the problem. So when you have someone prepare you right before delivery or right after you deliver, tell you all these things, it calms you down and you feel more normal. You have no idea how many clients call me or text me. Oh my God, I think I have mastitis. And it's because their milk is coming in. You feel like your breasts are going to burst and you're in pain and you're engorged. And by the way, engorgement can give you a low grade fever. That's not mastitis. So there are all these things that they're freaking out and they're like, I don't want to do this. This hurts so much. I don't want to breastfeed. The latch, a painful latch is not a normal latch. It needs help. How many moms have called me and they're like, I've had moms text me in the morning saying, oh, I want to use my call for increasing my milk supply. And if I'm in between calls or doing something like what I'm doing with you that I can't answer my text right now, when I answer, they have another text that says, never mind, I want to wean off. <laughs> it's like this poor mom. like, And I'm like dying because I've been there and I remember, I'm like, oh, this poor girl, I felt so bad, I couldn't respond and now she wants to quit. So then I have to call her and explain, this is why this is happening because like Pamela, many people love Scientific explanation. I just think it helps you feel sane, right? I think once
1: you hear like, okay, it's normal that I'm feeling like this. And it's normal. You mentioned with the anxiety, like, I had a fear that something was going to happen to Ford. Like, I was oh, yeah. so emotional with that. Like, I don't want anything to happen to my baby. And then, like, once I read about it and I talked about it, with there's a scientific that your hormones, your... Yeah. It's only the first few days I like give it some time mm-hmm. you you know thank God for me too I just kind of like faded off but there is a lot of other things that maybe perhaps women don't consider it as postpartum depression you know but it is an anxiety and it is something that you
2: also need to get help for I call it a postpartum mood disorder that's what I tell my clients it's a postpartum mood disorder and it's honestly the majority is situational the majority is because You haven't figured out a good routine so that your baby can sleep better at night. That's why I provide something called early sleep training. And sleep training is usually a word that people think it's, I'm going to let the baby cry it out and stuff like that. No, it's as simple as a daytime routine so that your baby, kids thrive on routine. The baby can sleep better at night. And guess what? Exhaustion causes postpartum mood disturbances. Thinking, you know, not wanting to breastfeed and everybody else telling you that's what you have to do can cause a postpartum mood disturbance. Not knowing why or how to do it because it hurts. Pain, listen, pain. Chronic pain causes depression. It's known in people that are not pregnant. People with disorders like fibromyalgia and these chronic pain disorders can get depressed. So do you think a mother? Let's mix all these things. New mom or a mom that's not a new mom. I have many clients that it's with their second or their third. You mentioned, Karen, that you had a hard time with your first baby. I am going to guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you are weary of having more children because you don't want to go through the same things.
0: 100%. If you ask my husband, I had the conversation with him two weeks ago, and I said, nope, I'm not doing it. Okay,
2: so please allow me to help you because I can make a difference. I know it sounds crazy, but having support will change the way things will happen if you want to have a second child some women want one child and that's okay that's the other thing if you don't want more children that is fine you don't have to have more children but if you want a second child not having one because of what happened with your first would make me very sad. But I think it's even hard
1: to admit something like that, right? It's like admitting that you need to heal some traumatic experience to be able to go through it again. Yeah.
2: And does require healing. And I will tell you something. I am not a mental health provider. My services, I think, are therapeutic in the sense that they help. When me.
1: should a woman seek mental health or an expert? And what type of help should a woman be seeking postpartum? Okay. period? That is a
2: very loaded question. For example, the first two weeks, postpartum blues, and ups and downs normal completely normal wanting to hurt your child even if it's on the first two weeks not normal not wanting to be with your child at all the first two weeks not normal so that's also it's a generalization oh first two weeks everything goes no 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 no. things like that do not go right after that things should generally improve now you need to ask yourself and you probably didn't ask yourself at the time this because i didn't ask myself this when i was going through it am i enjoying my baby that's a simple question And that's a simple question your friends can ask.
1: Wow. So am I enjoying my baby? Yeah.
2: Are you enjoying your baby? And I will bet because I didn't that you weren't enjoying your baby at that point. No. And that's probably the guilt that you have is that you feel like you didn't enjoy the first year. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to take a while to heal that. And that probably requires therapy in that sense, like therapy to heal and some PTSD that you can heal with therapy by a mental health provider, not me, like I'm saying. But for your next pregnancy, I'm willing to bet that if we did calls and we can prepare you for what's coming, I haven't had time to go deeper in your <laughs> specific case but some women are have ptsd from the delivery from the labor even like the whole when they wake you up and the baby's heartbeat is going down and they wake you up and they startle you and yeah some women have it from the pregnancy i had it with my pregnancy i was on bed rest on week 23 and Oof. i'm the most active person in the world that is rough that's fair and yeah. for an OBGYN, what do you think i did all day in bed thinking oh my god is the cord okay <laughs> am i gonna emotional. have a cord cordax <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Emotional? Like, sorry. Yeah. i'm sorry this is hard this is hard talk but to the listeners out there, if you had a hard time during your pregnancy, during the delivery, during breastfeeding, during pumping, maybe when the baby turned four months old, when you realized your life is never gonna be the same. Double so, click on that. <laughs> that seemed, that <laughs> was the click hardest. On that. that was, well, not the hardest, yes. but that was very hard. If you had those issues, talking them out. And for your second time, if you want to have another child, again, if is a big if because you don't have to, those things will change. And the anxiety that a first child brings you often is less with the next babies. Now, I am a strong believer that every mom has a cross to bear. For example, I've done different style of mommy groups, not those like hippie. hmm, (laughs) I'm talking like real stuff like. I don't want to have sex with my husband right now. How do I want to have sex? Is it normal to want to have sex? Sex hurt or like, I don't want to breastfeed her. I hate the fact that I can't just go to the gym right now because I can't pick up and leave. I hate the fact that I used to go to brunch with my husband on Sundays and now I can't do it or I want to go out with my friends to have dinner just to talk to an adult because I am bored with my baby. Newborns are boring creatures and you realize that once your baby grows you look back and you're like they just take 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 take. It's they you need to do everything for them. They don't even smile at you. One of the few
1: like little breaks since I had I called my best friend I'm like can you invite me to dinner? Like I need adult interaction like this because I have a baby. Yes. Doesn't mean
0: I'm excluded from... which she's like, oh, okay, I'm just It's so it. funny because now that yeah. Victoria takes up a lot of space in my everyday moment of my life, I look back at the first six months. And I'm like, what did I do all day? I was also an exclusive pumper and I was home, you know, not working for six months because I have a very generous majority leave at work. But like that whole Funny time, how we think that in like the a- U.S. Sorry.
2: Huh? <laughs> sorry how we think six months is generous. Oh,
0: I know. I know. I'm generous for the U.S. Yes, of course. But it just feels like a time vacuum. I'm like, what did I do all day? I have no idea. It's all such a blur because now I'm like, very busy with her, but taking care of her, like you can't even not look at her for two seconds because she's standing on top of the refrigerator or something, I don't know.
2: And you feel lonely, by the way. You can feel lonely with little children. Mm -hmm. And I was reading about introverts and extroverts. I'm obviously an extrovert. My energy comes from other people and interacting with, that's why I love what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Like the day I don't have calls because I'm busy with my children or have things to do, I don't feel as fulfilled. For an extrovert, Being alone at your house with kids is very, very hard. When my nanny was out for COVID for three weeks, I felt very lonely and people were like, oh, are you going insane? I'm like, it's not the kids. I miss her. And with the pandemic, it was so hard, right? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Because I love
1: to have Mm -hmm. people in my house too. Mm -hmm. I don't mind having company. I love feeling, you know, I love to do stuff with, Mm -hmm. I love having someone there, Mm -hmm. someone to talk to and
2: laugh with. Yeah, and being with Ford, Is fulfilling. And when they wait till he looks at you and says, I love you, mama. And it is, you know what my son said to me last night before bed? I said, do you love me? And he said, I love you all the days. (laughs) And I'm like, oh. Doctor, what can
1: we do Mm -hmm. for other moms that are, you know, have the suspicious that they're going through something like this. What can we proactively do that's appropriate and that's actually helpful
2: for the mom? The way you can help other moms is reaching out, saying, are you enjoying your baby? If they say yes, you can still say, is there anything I can do so that you also enjoy yourself? Because don't forget about yourself. You need some alone time. You need a breather. You need to either go for a walk by yourself, go for a drive by yourself, Go to Publix by yourself. I remember when I went to Publix for the first time, it was a vacation (laughs) and I felt so happy when I came back home. I bought whatever I wanted to buy by myself without a worry in the world. This was pre-COVID. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you feel
1: like women still feel very, very guilty admitting that they're struggling and that they're feeling a certain way? I feel like people still make a connection between
2: that and just failing, right? It has been normalized, I think, enough. A hundred percent. I think the majority of women don't want to admit they need help because they probably heard from their friends or their relatives that it was easy for them. So you look at your friend who breastfed for six months and you're on week two and you're freaking out how hard this is. And you think it was easy for your friend who did it for six months. You don't know if your friend was miserable for six months. Right, right. You don't know what's going on in somebody's home because it's impossible not to judge others. And it is impossible not to, to a certain degree, envy other moms sometimes. And those are ugly words. Envy and jealousy are ugly words and ugly feelings that we don't want to admit we feel, but we all feel them. Whenever I had my C-section, right? How many people did I teach how to push their baby out successfully? So many. I didn't get to do that. It sucked for me. I wanted to do it. I didn't have the choice. My baby was breached. So whenever I would see my patients that had an easy delivery, easy labor and everything, I had to remind myself and say, it may have been easy for that person to do so and so and so, but I'm sure they have struggled with something else. Whenever I had the mom groups, there was always the mom who was the one that looked like She was breastfeeding champ, something super easy. And then there was the other mom who would look and be like, oh my God, how am I even here? I need coffee. Struggling, right? And I remember having this mom group. I'll never forget it. And I turned to that beautiful mom. I knew they were all looking at her like, how is she so perfect? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I asked the mom point blank. And that mom had PTSD from her labor. She cried with us. And it was such a beautiful moment when all the other moms felt like they weren't abnormal. They were like, oh my God. Yes, it normalized, like you Mm -hmm. said. Momhood is an even playing field. Mm -hmm. We struggle at different points. Some struggle getting pregnant. Some struggle... First trimester anxiety, which is real, especially for moms that have had miscarriages. That is another huge topic that I would love to talk to you about someday. Miscarriages, because they're a big taboo. Um, And terminations too, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. all those topics are taboo. So there's moms who suffer with that. Moms who suffer because everybody opens the door and they're like, oh, you must be so happy. You look so great pregnant. And on the inside, they're like, I hate being pregnant. I hate it. I had to take pills to have my kids and I hated being pregnant. The OBGYN. I did not enjoy pregnancy. I knew too much. Some people struggle with delivery. Some women do not want to have a vaginal delivery. There is a pathological fear of vaginal delivery that exists and they do not want to have a vaginal delivery and they're judged because they want to have a I C-section always and
1: horrible and I always if I really stop and think about yeah. it, I get so... Heartbroken again and sad about the fact that I wasn't a natural birth. I still haven't, I think, gotten over the fact that I was a
2: C-section. In summary, if you're pregnant and listening, please lower your expectations. Don't expect everything to go smoothly. Expect things to, at some point, be hard. Either during your labor, during your delivery, during your hospital stay, during that first week when you get home. Or even three months later, something will be hard. Nobody has the luck of having everything go smooth and peaches and rainbows. Nobody. Even the person that you think, that you kind of wish you were, I wish I had her, whatever. No. And you can ask that person and she'll probably tell you she'll probably open up and tell you once you ask. Message and advice is be honest, especially with other mothers, um, because it is helpful to be vulnerable and honest. That saying you need help doesn't mean you need therapy, doesn't mean you need antidepressant medication, anti-anxiety medication. It just means you need extra support. Now, if you don't ask for help when you need it, then it it may mean that you actually turn into having something pathological, which is a scary word, I know. But pathological just means it needs treatment.
0: I just think the hard part is figuring out how much of this is normal and how much of this is not. I mean, I find myself always debating, like, was my hard time normal? Is the way that I'm feeling something I'm just going to, you know, get over? Or like, I I don't know. And And I also want to just Fix yourself. You can fix yourself and get over it. And it's no, fine. You no, know. no, I, I, uh-uh. I no. I'm against that. It's a terrible no. approach. Uh, please do not follow this
2: <laughs> if you're listening. You're not alone. You need to understand that. But at a year out, if you're still feeling this way, I do think it would be beneficial for you to talk to someone. Talk to someone and figure out why exactly you feel this way and how you can make peace with certain things. Mm. For example, with me, in my personal case... I had these feelings with my son and I will always feel like I should have given him breast milk more. And whenever he gets sick and my daughter gets sick, I compare which one feels worse because mm. maybe it was my fault because I gave him formula and I gave her breast milk. You can destroy yourself by doing that mm. stuff. So now it's taken me a few years to realize that I did my best with what I had at that time. I had no real postpartum education at that time. No real support at that time. And I did what was accessible to me. If somebody would have told me, you can exclusively pump, I would have exclusively pumped. Mm -hmm. So I know that it wasn't my fault that I'm not saying it was somebody else's. Like I'm not pointing fingers at other people. I'm just pointing the finger away from me, which is very different than blaming your problems on other people specifically. I'm just saying it wasn't me. If I would have had more information, I would have done things differently. Mm -hmm. So that helps me forgive myself because it really wasn't me. If I would have had these answers, I would have taken them. So not knowing is not your fault. It just happens because we are humans and we cannot guess what other people are thinking. I mean, that's how I feel about this podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about this podcast.
2: Great, so you are finding something to help you heal that. But I do think that after a year, you should probably go back, kind of relive a little, which hurts so that you can move on and not be afraid of doing this again if that's what you want to do because you're not alone. Look, now you have Pamela. I don't know if you had her from the beginning, but you have someone to talk to now. (laughs) See, I'm serious. Having her will help you so much during your journey. And you have your friend. You're not the same person you were when you had your first child. Not at all. Not at all. Thank you so much, doctor.
1: I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot of women who are going to be nodding the entire episode.
0: Yeah, during my personal (laughs) session here.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shao. And thank you to everyone for sharing. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much again for listening. For more conversations like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast for past
0: episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. We would really appreciate it. For more content from Motherish Moments and to connect with us, go to our Instagram page at Motherish or go to MotherishMoments.com.